0: Hello and welcome to Draw Those or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Friday night's defeat up in Inverness, Rhys Aldane. Rhys, how are you?
1: Aye, not too bad, not too bad at all. Um, once again, as always, looking forward to discuss
0: another goalless Thistle performance, but we move. Yeah, we're getting used to this now. Uh, Jamie McDonald is here. Jamie, are you well? Thanks for turning up on time this week.
2: Nah, no worries. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not too bad, obviously. Disappointing result on Friday, but
0: we'll get into it. And rounding off our panel, it's Mr Plain Nan, it's David Forrest. David, how are you?
3: <laughs> Hello, um, I'm doing very well. Had a great weekend. I think Matt is sick of the sight of me by now, because he's been with me all three days for at least a good eight hours. Um. But yeah, I'm doing well and I'm looking forward to discussing the game. Well, I'm not actually looking forward to discussing the game. No one is, but you know what I mean. I, I'm looking forward to talking to the pod.
0: Um, So the start 11 then, one change. Harry Milne come in for Lee Hodson. I think, as expected. If, if Milne was back fit, that would be the change. Reese quite happy with that start 11 when you saw it on Friday night? Aye, no, no complaints at all. It was the obvious change to
1: make um, when Milne's fit. He plays, doesn't... <laughs> hodson has got to score a hat-trick to keep his place ahead of Milne, so I wasn't surprised at all, than um, that, nothing else really, so lineup line-up was absolutely fine.
0: David, we drove up to Inverness together, um, did you have a, a memorable trip up?
3: Yeah, I I, re- I enjoyed the trip. It was me, you, and Mark Wallace, uh, went up, and yeah, we we spent most of it constructing our dream Turkish Super League 11s of the future and all that. And basically, I think we've done about five episodes and uh, ideas in the pod, um, in the car on the way there. Yeah, it was it was a good journey, but yeah, and uh, it was it was a good day out. But yeah, um, it it, it there was about two hours where it kind of hurtled down into absolute dog shit and then but no it was, it was good fun uh, out of like the 12 hours I was out only two of them were quite shite
0: so you know that's a good ratio I'm imagining the two of them was when the football was being played but you know I can't complain if that's the ratio um, Jamie obviously a disappointing 1-0 defeat on Friday night what did you make of the performance thing think we deserved more or where is it going wrong for us in front of goal it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's going wrong in front of goal some is almost feel like
2: they a score the perfect goal and carve open teams and walk the ball on the net. Sometimes we should just hit it. There's a couple of times the ball him out on the edge of the area and, you know, the fans are shouting shooting we just pass it out instead. Sometimes maybe good to try like a pot shot and hit it through the bodies, whatever. But we just didn't really do that. And I think the second half, obviously they go down to ten men, it's pretty contentious right? that's a red card or not. It seemed a little bit harsh maybe watching it back. But regardless, we need to take advantage of the referee making that decision and we're all over them and we Pepper pepper peppering their goal with well, well, at least getting into positions a lot and getting down the line and putting in balls, we just didn't have that clinical edge and even then we did have some big chances like the one when it's been cut across the face of goal and then Graham, he should be scoring it to be honest and Richards ends up clawing it out and then there's one in the first half as well which looks like a really good save from Richards and, and there's a couple ones that fell to Tiffany from a corner like fresh air swiped it and there was one where Fitzpatrick had an effort blocked which maybe would go in and just you know, on another day one of them goes in but we just couldn't get it into the back of the net and I think we at least deserved the draw out of that game and it's very disappointing to walk away with absolutely nothing and especially when the goals come from a mistake as well because Inverness in the first half they had a couple of decent chances with one balls, but didn't really do much in the second half and stupid misplaced passes ended up resulting in a goal Reese,
0: do you agree? Do you think we deserved a point?
1: <sighs> we definitely should have got a point and whether we deserved one or not is another, another matter but it was, it was a, a really poor result. I mean, you're playing for, what was it, 40 minutes against 10 men, attack v defence. And you can probably count, well, you can definitely count on one hand the amount of good chances we had. But we had all the ball when we were putting crosses into the box and they were over-hit, under-hit. We'd, we'd get like three big guys in the box. I mean, by the end of the game, we had Graham, uh, Dowds, Mullin, Fitzpatrick, Tiffany, even Brownlee was up front. We had all sorts of guys in the box, big guys as well, uh, and we were trying to drill it near post low, and they're just obviously clearing it out for a corner. So it was really disappointing. The one glaringly obvious chance, I thought, the one guy you wanted to fall to was Brian Game. That one that broke for him in the box, and I just think, now we go, tap it in, and he drags it. And obviously, it's a, it's a decent save from Richards, but uh, from Richards, sorry. But it's disappointing. Game should be putting that in the net. And and the one thing is, Jamie says it for for ages as well, I just want to have a player who's who likes to have a dig, that's what I loved about Gary Fraser, he'd be sitting 30 yards out and he'll have a pop at goal and it'll fly in the top corner, or I always think back to Frederick Franz, he just crosses a halfway line, he's like, no what, I'll have a pop here and sometimes they'll fly in, and we just don't do that enough, I, I think Ross Dockett, has got it in his locker, and he always looks for the side of his pass at the edge of the box, whereas Friday night there, I don't know the, how many times it felt to Bannigan, and he was getting the shout to shoot of course, as you always do when you're chasing the goal. But I love banning to bits, man. But his shooting is atrocious. That one where it's where it's like he's almost hooked it with his studs right into Ridger's front post, man. I was like, my god. But I yeah, really, really disappointing not to even pick up a point and it puts a bit of down on things in terms of in terms of those. It's his first loss, um, but to go three games without scoring it's disappointing. It was. It's been a dull watch the last couple
0: of weeks, but hopefully the tide will change. No, I agree with you about Bannigan. It was a shame that <laughs> like three or four in a row just felt him. And I think you mentioned, Reese, that Doc's got that sort of shot from distance in this locker. And you just sort of wish one of them fell to him rather than banning because yeah, his, his shooting was not ideal on Friday night. David, what was your take on the performance?
3: Yeah, it was just a really frustrating game, to be honest. It was quite dull. I mean, I think we've had uh, out of do those games i think we've had what six six games now seven games and we've had quite a lot of performances where we we looked a bit dull we've not looked bad we've just looked quite dull we've just kind of not really done that much and when you go get when they get the red cards you know your your eyes light up and you're like well this is the opportunity to get back in the game in all fairness we did change it up we did do you know different things in the second half compared to the first with the impetus on us to try and get a goal i feel that like the goal actually probably killed us a wee bit and that we we were in the game at half time, came out the immediate you no know, pretty much immediately score to make it 1-0 and then you know you're, you're up you're on the back foot and it's, it's a lot, lot more difficult and i i agree about the perfect goal syndrome about how we always try and get it nice and neat and place it in the right position to to score the goal as opposed to having a dig now in all fairness when we were there and people were shouting shoot myself included never now and then matt pointed out the fact that maybe we shouldn't urge these people to shoot because they shoot and it just skies wide or whatever and what are the chances of people scoring from that sort of yard on more than like one occasion, um, and and however however many months, like they don't happen that often. But you you just want someone to kind of take the game with a scruff in the neck and do something for themselves, and not and not just be so beholden to try to get into this you know position to score a goal, you know, with maximum efficacy. Because like that's kind of what killed us, because we kept passing, trying to get in this position, and then Ivanish mean, just.
0: You've cut away at the end there, David, but I think I agree with a lot of what you were saying. I think there's there's obviously a balance to be had with, with shooting, and when everyone was shouting shoot, it was when the ball was at Banz's feet, which was unfortunate. But I definitely think we do need to be a bit more willing to take shots. I'm, I'm going to come to you, Jamie, because I think you said at the start of Chris Doolin's reign that maybe we might see him go to two up front. And I actually thought when Dowds came on, I thought Doolin's subs were good. Because I think he gave us the best chance to win. As soon as we went down as soon as Inverness went down to ten men, he was he was active. He brought Dowds on. And then there was a, a double substitution later where he brought he brought Mullen and Fitzpatrick on. And I thought they were the the right subs. You know, like we we ended up dominating the game. And it was just we didn't create a clear cut chance. We didn't take a chance that we created. But we did dominate the game. Like, I think he made the right subs. I thought Dowds was actually quite effective when he came on and I thought it helped Brian Graham because I think Brian Graham has been very isolated in the last, since the Dundee game really, the last three weeks. He's been very isolated, but when Douds came on, that really helped him and we looked livelier and we looked more like we were going to score. So, Jamie, do you think maybe moving to a 4 4 and, and putting a Douds or a Mullen up front with Graham is, is the way to get us back scoring goals? Definitely wouldn't be against
2: it. I agree, I thought Douds definitely added something when he came on. I thought he's probably the most impactful sub, but it's like, who do you drop? Is the big question out of a uh, because if you want to be 4 4 2, you're gonna have to drop on a Turner, again or uh, dock un- unless you're like shunting Turner to right mid, maybe. So oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a difficult one, but I definitely would be against us trying something new, oh, especially our way to Cove. You know, Cove can see that no one's business, honestly, uh, apart from to us. You know, the amount of times I've seen their <laughs> scores when they've been beaten 5 now or they've got been 6 1 off Rafe recently, so they're a team that definitely can be very, very leaky at the back. We should be willing to take advantage of that. So going with top top of that game actually wouldn't be something that'd be against that at all. And it's who do you drop? Maybe Turner could be one to get dropped because obviously can have his best game. I think mean, that'd be maybe a bit harsh because he's been very good this season in general for us, I think. But I know it's a bit off top, but I just thought the delivery on Friday night was, it was just so poor, and it was, that was very frustrating. I mean, Corner has been straight to Bridget hands or overhead hit first man that sort of thing, and especially for free kicks as well because that was a frustrating watch, but. I'm not going sure to come down too hard on Turner because he has been very good this season, but
0: wasn't his best game on Friday. I thought Turner was actually okay in open play on on Friday's his corners were sort of uncharacteristically poor. I thought were, his corner delivery was terrible. And I agree the free kicks were very frustrating as well. I think when Dooland came in it was it was hard to see him go 4-4-2 because I think Wallace hadn't been out a form for as long as he has now. And and Turner was playing really well at that time as well. But I think off the back of Friday, I think it would it wouldn't be as hard to drop either Turner. Or lawless to facilitate an extra striker. Peace, do you agree?
1: Yeah. Um, what I'm about to say something that's virgin on sacrilege on this podcast, but I think that Friday night may have been a game for Cammy Smith. You now you mentioned just a minute ago how isolated Brian Graham was, and and it, it was really. Um, you expect Graham to be involved a lot more, and he just couldn't get going. And whenever he did win the ball, there's no one near him to pick up the seconds. Obviously, you've got Tiff coming in from out wide and stuff, but. If Cammy Smith just stands within ten yards of game, he'll be there for the knockdown. And, and in a game like that, where you're playing around the edge of the opposition box, I think that would be the game that would would suit Cammy Smith. Um, and it, he may. He, I would have actually brought him on because I know we brought on Fitz and Mullen, and, and that's when we were just. They had what was it? Nine men and the keeper behind the ball, effectively just holding on to their lead. And that's fine to bring them on, but obviously we were wide open going the other way when you take off Banzo and Turner. So. I just a wee, some food for thought, just to say I thought that Cammy Smith would have been decent now. I'm not saying I want him to start at the weekend, or I'm not even saying I want him to be brought on at the weekend. I just thought in that moment in time, he maybe could have done with rolling the dice.
0: I've noticed how you've waited it's, for Heather Holloway to leave the country till you you make the case for Cammy Smith to start. <laughs> I
3: was literally about the same thing. She's literally on another continent. Uh, and that's <laughs> like the safest distance that you can have where you can advocate for Cammy Smith.
0: David, anyone get pass marks for you on Friday night? Um mm, mm, mm,
3: not 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 really, no. I don't think there was anybody who was absolutely atrocious or anything like that. And I I just don't think the game really went well for us. we did you know, we did try things to kinda zhuzh up a bit in terms of getting more forward um, in the second half and taking advantage of the one the one man advantage but there's nobody that was really sticking out to me that was absolutely 8 out of 10 9 out of 10 it was it was a very lackluster performance from ourselves, but yeah
0: nobody in particular that's kind of standing out Reese you had your hand up straight away when I asked that who stood out for you
1: well it's tough. It's tough it was tough to pick a stand out um, Normally you look to guys such as Milne and, and Tiffany to be the standouts. I thought Milne didn't really get going. I don't know if he was nursing a bit of a knock and he came off in the second half anyway. Um Tiffany couldn't get going. The, and you know, I see it on Twitter all the time, we can't comment on anyone's part nowadays because of last season. Um but the park was really heavy. You've seen the officials out checking it ten minutes before kickoff and there was, there was there was word going about that the game was in doubt and you could just imagine the game getting called off 15 minutes before kick-off and we were all in the stadium but I was about to say thankfully it did not. I kind of wish it did now but if I was to pick one standout I'd say Jack McMillan. I know his delivery wasn't the greatest and he had a lot of opportunities to put the ball in the box but I don't think you can ever doubt his, his effort and his tenacity. I thought he went he went right to the end. There was a bit right at the last minute when they basically broke. They were effectively one-on-one for the halfway line and McMillan got back and you could see he was knackered, his legs were giving way and he, he managed to win the ball back. So just for that alone, I think McMillan is excellent every week. Um, so if I was to pick one standout, it would be him.
0: I think on, on Tiffany, I think the pitch had a factor. I thought actually in Inverness, I think they've done this a few times, they've actually marked Tiffany quite well out of a game and obviously they, they went over the line with the Welsh challenge on him. I don't know how Carson didn't get booked. He a few fouls on Tiffany. Um, but that's really what teams need to do to stop Tiffany and, and Verness did that. Jamie, do you want to come in for, for standout performers on Friday night? I wouldn't say anyone was
2: standout, but I thought David Mitchell was fine again. I thought he had another decent performance in goal. I wouldn't say the goal was his fault at all. And he made a good save from Mackay in the first half. I think he made a good save in the second half as well. And he was kicking and that was good and he was vocal again. So I think I think he's been good recently, David Mitchell and for someone who was much maligned at the start of the season, and I, I criticised him at times as well, so I'm not exempting myself from that at all. But I think he's come back quite strong, I'm glad to see him doing well. Which is, But it is quite a shame for Sneden as well because he didn't do anything to deserve to be dropped. But I can't see Sneden getting back in at the end of the season now.
0: I can't see Sneden getting back in. I still remain to be convinced by Mitchell. I think he as you say, Jamie, I think he's been fine. I think he had a few nervy moments in the second half on Friday night, but um, he's not really done. Anything majorly wrong since he came back, and I, I'm still yet to be totally convinced by him as a as a number one goalkeeper. But as you say, I think the jersey is his to lose for the rest of the season. Well, I I don't really want to ask David if he's still 66% sure that we um we're going to win the league. But what do we think our chances are of of making the playoffs? Because that's that's looking a bit tight with with not many games to go, six games to go, and teams below us with games in hand. David, are you still confident that we're we're going to make the top four?
3: Well, of course, I'm a 66% confident we're going to win the league title. No, um, I, I do think that we will, and I think that it was quite telling yesterday at the the dry gate event when all the sort of mentions were going for playoffs as opposed to the title, because I think they know that that's probably done. Uh, but I and I've got admitted, you know, and I, I tend to agree with us. We have a really good squad. We on paper we should be playing better than we actually are, and there's no reason why if this squad can't kind of get itself into some, some order that we go in a wee run, get into the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, it's just one slash two games at a time. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, madder things have happened. Um, so I would feel I would feel fairly confident if we can get into the playoffs that I feel that we can have a good go at it. We've got the team for it, I feel. Um, we just kind of need to put all the pieces of the jigsaw in the right order the puzzle to be honest and i, f- I feel that there's, there's still enough time for us to do that I ultimately you need to focus on getting into the playoffs at first I, I but i do think we will and i think we have a, a half decent shot at it C- especially compared to the other teams who i mean the, the, the thing that really was gutting a bit in inver- verness was queen's park lost our bro if we had won that game and uh, queen's park had lost our bro you know you're right back in it. You're six points behind. Speak QP, three points behind. You know, uh, Domino started to fall at that point when they're only one one game's worth of points behind. It was a great chance to kind of keep ourselves in it and we, we didn't take it. But I, I still think t- we'll get into the playoffs and I still think there is time for us to do something.
0: Just looking at the, the league table, we've got six games to go and we're on 45 points. Morton below us, 43 points. Inverness, 39 points. A game in hand. Wraith two games in hand on thirty eight points, they're seven behind us, and then looking up there's a wee gap. So, A. United have played the same amount of games as, us, and they're four points clear. Dundee are five clear, and they've got a game in hand. And as you say, Queens Park are nine clear. You'd say they're out of sight. So, I, I, I think I, th- I agree with you, David. I think we will get in the playoffs, but it's certainly not looking as sure a thing as it did two or three weeks ago. I think um, we, we certainly need a win on on Saturday to get back on track, I think. Rhys, are you still confident we'll make the top four? I'd like to think so, but it's definitely not guaranteed. I was thinking that the other
1: night, because all, all along, I remember I sent in the chat the other day, like maybe it was a couple of weeks ago now or whatever, but I kept seeing these articles saying Faisal making a late push for the playoffs, and I disagreed, and I still do disagree. I don't think we are making a late push for the playoffs. I think we've been there or thereabouts all season. It's not as if we were sitting ninth and we went on some surge up the table. So I don't I don't necessarily call it a late push for the playoffs. I think that was bare minimum at the very beginning of the season. Ultimately we were aiming for to win the league, if not second. And second's still there for the taking. I think Dundee they'll likely go on and win the league now, and we've battered them near enough every time we played them this season, even the game we lost against them. So that that's really what you're up against. And with the architects are on down for all season. But if we want to get top four, it's all very good, well and good being defensively sound, but you need to start putting the ball in the back of the net. As I mentioned before, these these draws aren't good enough and certainly not good enough losing to 10 men. So
0: hopefully we can put things right soon and bounce back well when win at the weekend. Jamie, how important do you think it is for us to make the playoffs in terms of, of Chris and going forward, sort of keeping the pressure off him, attracting players for next season, retaining players for next season? How important is for, for the club as a whole to make the top four?
2: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's crucial to be honest. And I think it's not even just those things, it's like optimism for the next season, that sort of thing, because within the club and within the fan base and stuff, because if we were to fail making the playoffs, people probably would lose confidence in they and they'd lose confidence in the players We still have a couple of players who maybe would be willing to sign on for another season, but maybe choose to leave. could have a very bad impact if we fail to make it. It's maybe a slight difference to your budget as well. could be the small difference between signing a player or not signing a player, getting a loan or not. So you not making the playoffs would be a complete failure of a season. If we end up finishing fifth or even sixth if we somehow tumbled down the table or something like that, that would be a really, really poor season. And Yeah, that would just have negative impacts on anybody. I don't see how that could be beneficial at all. And it wouldn't be good for Doolin as well. I don't think it would be good for his image or his confidence in himself or people's confidence in him. So... Fourth is the absolute bare minimum that we need to finish this season, and even at that, fourth isn't. It's not even like that's a great season by any means, because that's just a repeat of last year. Last year I was like, okay, we'll take fourth, you know, back up from League One, kind of a bit more of an acceptable finish. But this season, that's really poor, and it's two seasons in a row that I think the title's been there for taking, and we've just collapsed when we've had a decent
0: shot at it, and uh, it's been really frustrating. I I think that's a great point about the title being in reach. I think you hear a lot of talk about who's going to be in the league next season and, and how hard it might be. It's hard to tell what sort of points total it's going to be for the for the league next season because you never know if a team's going to run away with it or if it's going to be a sort of four or five horse race. But you're right, for the last two years, it looks like this year it's going to be a one in points total in the 60s, and it was the same last season. And that's only been the case, not including this season, twice in the last 11 seasons in the second tier in terms of full 36-game seasons. So for for us to be in the mix and not get it twice is a big opportunity missed on two occasions. So we will need to beat Cove on Saturday, a team that we have struggled against while we've been in the same league as them in the last couple of years in League One and this season. Jamie, I'll start with you. What changes do you think Doolan might make to the side? I think Muirhead was saying at the Dragate event he hopes to be fit. We've spoken about maybe Dowds is pushing first start. Do you see Dowds coming in, Muirhead coming back in, or do you think it'll be a an unchanged eleven? I'd like to hope we make a couple of
2: changes. I think Wallace should be dropped, to be honest. I like Wallace, but he's you know, he's been off it since coming back from injury. I don't think he's been anywhere near as effective as he was prior to his injury, especially in the first half of the season. I wouldn't be against seeing Dowd starting to be honest. i quite like to see that four four two. I would like us to go for that. If we were going to do it, I think I'd probably drop Wallace for it and maybe even move Turner out to right mid. I know that's kind of pushing him out of position but I don't really want him to get dropped because on his game he definitely brings something to us and he could, I think he can do a shift at right mid. He was shoved out there a lot last season and obviously it's not his best position but I'd probably rather that than drop him. Maybe a bit harsh on Fitzpatrick not giving him a start and if he did start, it would be interesting to see how he could do in the team. But yeah, that's probably these changes I would make. I'd probably bring in Dowd, start up front and drop Wallace and shove Turner at right, on the right. But the defence, obviously, if Milne is injured, then we have to shuffle about the defence with Hodgson coming in. Who knows? But hopefully that doesn't have to be the case and we can keep that in place. And I forgot, like you said, Muirhead as well. If he's available, I'm probably bringing him in for Brownley. But we'll have to see if he's fit or not.
0: Reese, do you agree with? with Jamie on the team and do you want to kick us off with, with that? Oh, I'll start that again. Rhys, do you agree with the changes Jamie would make to the side and do you want to kick us off with a prediction? You're still our leader. No points scored this week again. I um, agree with Jamie's thoughts on the team. Uh, I was about to say
1: Brownlee's a bit unlucky but He's, he's almost he's, he's been fine for the games recently, um, just at the weekend. he was, just done a bit too much. He obviously went in a wee bit of a run and carried, held on the ball a bit too long, trying to like pass it round the defender. Just get rid of it, man. So, if Muirhead's fit, I, you're probably bringing in Muirhead back to, to partner Holt, the big Dumfries farmers. I'd get them back. Fitzy, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Fitzy start. I don't, I don't I don't, like to slaughter Andy at the best of times, and especially not a guy like Lawless, but he's been pretty guff recently. So, um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing um, Aidan Fitzpatrick in for the start. I always do think Fitzie surprisingly, is, is better starting a game as opposed to coming off the bench. So, if, if Fitzpatrick was to get a start, I, I wouldn't be against that at all. In terms of asking for a scoreline, I'm not too optimistic. We've not beat Cove at all since they were a Highland League team when we beat them in the Scottish Cup in 2012. Even that day, Fox saved a penalty. I think we won 2-1. So... I I just can't see us beating Cove Rangers. I'm going to go Cove Rangers now. it Fissone we'll now another now Nelson's no fist.
0: Oh Four. wow! <laughs> I totally agree with you on Fitzpatrick. Reese. I think he is a a better starter than a sub. And if if he does get a start, it's definitely not a reward for his his performances recently. Because I don't think he's been great off the bench at all. But you're almost like right, go and have your chance. Go and prove why you should be in the team. And it, it might just take that for him to to kick start the the end the tail end of his season. David, you're still second in the score predictions. What do you think? I mean, I am
3: not looking forward to going to Cove again. Hopefully for the last time for a long while, because uh, it's not great. The last game was like, just a, a horrific day um, out, um, up until Sneddon scored. I would probably agree with getting Muirhead instead of Brownlee. In terms of predictions, We can't. we can't go like seven games without beating cove rangers we just cannot do that as it...
0: david have you seen mick mccarthy's press conference where he's like it's like 18 games that i won at blackpool and the the journalists go make sure it can't get any worse and he just goes it, it can <laughs> We I
3: mean, we can I mean, go seven games without being called, David. We can. It I can. Yeah, we can. And yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It can get worse and probably will, to be fair. However, we, ha- we have to win. Like, surely. Like, Duncan Rayburn, we, we went out on Saturday. Duncan Rayburn, QP fan, talked at length about how it was. And I stress Paul Hartley's cove, <laughs> who are conceding goals... Left, right, and centre and beaten by everyone hither and thither. And he's like, surely Thistle must beat Cove. And I surely we must be I mean it's gonna it, it's going to be an attritional watch. I'm not gonna lie. It's gonna be proper attritional one for the purists one nil, Bannigan scoring from 30 yards or something. Finally one hundredth yeah. time lucky. <laughs> He'll he'll have one in um I don't know. Yeah, i w I'll go one nil fistle.
0: I would say it's more likely Jamie Sneddon will double his goal tally for the season as Stuart Bannigan scores some 30 yards.
2: <laughs> Jamie, a prediction from you? Surely it's time we beat Cove. <laughs> Come on, this this is get, it's getting stupid at this point and we haven't beat them. You know we tried our best to chuck away a win earlier in the season against him and managed to draw two reach at home, which was terrible. You know, we've just been, we're so rubbish every time we play against Cove. I think the only time I remember us having a good performance against them on a decent performance was that two each one up there in the League One lockdown season. That was not a bad performance. So, oh, I don't know, mate. 4 0 Fessel. Fessel are going to win 4 0. going to be a quality day out. There you go.
0: Wow. <laughs> I'd quite like us to go four-four-two. I think if we push Turner out to the right, I, w- I wouldn't be against Fitzpatrick starting. I agree with you, Jamie. I think maybe Lawless needs a game or two out just to recapture his best form if we are going to have a, a playoff push. I wouldn't be against Fitzpatrick starting, but I think if Turner starts in the right, I think it's different this season because we've got McMillan overlapping him. Last season when Turner was in the right, he really didn't have anyone going by him and that's where we struggled, but I think it would be different with McMillan there. So I think that could work to facilitate Dowds coming in to help Graham because I think that I would like to see a Douds Graham partnership. And I think when Muirhead and Hope play together, I think that's our been our best defensive partnership together. So if he's fit, I'd like to see him come back in as well. So if we get if we get those changes, I think I would be quite confident. I will go I'll go 2-0. I go for Graham. I go for Douds
3: 2-0. I just wanted David, to put an addendum in there where we could beat Cove like 9-0. And I'm pretty sure it still wouldn't be a quality day out In the <laughs> words of Jamie McDonald um, No, it's oh, so bad But yeah, um than Jags <laughs>
0: Um, we were feeling a bit blue on Friday night for obvious reasons so I, I put the call out for some more listener jokes. Here's, here's a couple we got back. Dave Donnelly uh, submitted this one. Apparently the team bus stopped off to visit an orphanage on the way back down the road. Um, it was heartbreaking to see their sad wee faces with no hope, said Maisie, age six. So we like that one from Dave Donnelly. And uh, also friend of the show, David, don't know if you're you're wanting to, to cut this one. He has suggested this might be a, a too hot for pod uh, joke, but he says, a guy lives in a small village just outside Inverness, and one day he's taking a group of tourists around the village. He says, my father built every one of these paths that you walk on. Did they call him Angus the Path Builder? No, they didn't. See all these roads? My father built every one of them. Did they call him Angus the Road Builder? No, they didn't. See all these houses? My father built every single one of these houses. Did they call him Angus the house builder? No, they did not. He fucked one sheep. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got one. Um, I'll I'll apologise to Russell Alexander, first, because I probably uh, did his joke a disservice. By the way, I delivered it, but but in uh, in Jamaica, a, a jerk chicken pie costs one dollar twenty, and in Trinidad and Tobago, a chicken tikka pie costs one dollar fifty. And um, in Antigua, uh, a veggie pie costs one dollar eighty, and and they are the pie rates of the Caribbean. Uh, thank you, Pie Sports, for the uh, advertising <laughs> Jamie, I, I saw you sort of thinking about coming in with a joke there. No, 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 I wasn't.
2: Don't worry. <laughs> Thanks glad for
0: listening, glad everybody. that
2: the survey, the survey got put out before this episode.
0: Oh, that's a good point. We have. <laughs> I shouldn't have told you. It's just gonna be like, <laughs> mean, cut, this is all cut. This is all getting cut. No, keep keep the the pirate joking. That's that's a good one. Um, we have put a survey out for our listeners we're are trying to add a few more segments ahead of next season. So we have put a survey out. You'll find it on our Facebook or our Twitter. So if you could take, it'll take you about ninety seconds to fill it in. And if you could do that, it would be very helpful. And we can hopefully deliver more content that you, the listeners, would like to hear. And I think I also said, if you find me at a match and can prove that you completed the survey, I will buy you a pie. And that does not apply to anyone on this podcast at the moment. Well done to to Ray Bradshaw and everyone involved with Jags for Good for putting on the 12-13 anniversary event at Drygate yesterday. Uh, myself and David were there. David, what were the highlights for you? It was a, it was a great day, maybe too many to choose from, but what, what stood out for you?
3: I mean, Stevie Lawless is an absolute tour de force. We, we we should say someone actually mentioned this to me afterwards. We have asked we we have asked to have Stevie Lawless on. He was absolutely on fire. I think you could just put on an event and it's just Stevie Lawless with a live mic for about five hours and it'd be incredible. Um, I, I, I talked to him afterwards as well. Uh, we had a twenty-five minute discussion about Pink Floyd. He's a a super Pink Floyd nerd, which is not something you would ever think of with Stevie Lawless. But he loves Pink Floyd so much and we sat and talked about how you know one uh, live at Pompeii was better than the other um, and his favorite album and all that and it was it was genuinely just really good fun but yeah but he he sat and ripped into everybody before he came on Aaron Mura had said I just want to say before Stephen Lola comes on he's a liar and the first thing that Stephen and suddenly come and goes I just want to say everyone else talks shite And then just went on and just absolutely buried everybody. Uh, But I I had a really great fun time. And yeah, it was just nice seeing everybody and chatting away and all the players being so happy, Uh, you know, really enjoying it. And I think Paul Payton ended up doing karaoke at Munns, possibly. Um, I think, oh, I think we can confirm, I'm pretty sure Stuart Bannigan did actually go to Munns.
0: I I need to see photographic evidence of that.
3: if, If our training today, Stuart Bannigan went home at half four, um and you know he went he just went straight to bed um you know and had a meal and then just went straight to bed.
0: We are working hard to get Stevie Wallace back on the pod. He was on right at the start, maybe episode four. And um, we are working hard to get him and maybe one or two other players on uh, before the end of the season. So keep your eyes on that. Um, so I think Jack Ray Bradshaw tweeted between the the comedy event in October at the stand and yesterday. Um, They have raised over £8,000 for for Jags for Good and the Thistle Trust. So that's excellent work. Neil Cowan, everyone else who helps out, Ray Bradshaw, who's hosted both of those events, are doing doing great work there. So if there are any more, really encourage you to get along because there have been a couple of brilliant days and for very good causes as well. We will finish as we always do with Partridge Thistle. This was inspired by our Saturday night out um, where David went to an Indian restaurant and ordered two doms and a plain nan only. Um, And we were discussing what would your three-course death row meal be. So, David, I'll I'll leave you till the end because you're probably just going to have a a piece of bread and butter or something. Jamie,
3: I'd had my dinner before (laughs) I went to the pub. Fuck Fuck
0: off, man. You've
3: been at the Scotland game.
0: When
3: did you get your dinner? Literally left the Scotland game and went to the chippy across the road and then ate it all the way up to the bowling club i not it that
0: in two Poppadoms so like three hours later. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Jamie, what would your three-course death row meal be? Probably some Italian food, to be honest. I think when I was in, you know, I can't
2: remember the name of this place, but when I was in Italy on holiday years ago, I had quality three-course Italian meals, pasta, pizza and then ice cream. Literally the most stereotypical thing you could come up with, but it was, it was top tier. So I'm going to go with that. And I wish I could remember the name of this place. I can't remember what it was called, but
0: it was good. Reese, your Instagram is is regularly containing some some very tasty looking food. What would your three-course meal be?
1: See, when you were just about to ask, you see when you said this is um, based off David's food or whatever, I was like, please ask a death row food. I've been waiting for this moment. This is perfect. But um, uh, I don't know, I'm I'm not mad for a starter, to be honest. So this is technically kind of a main, but if I was to choose a starter... It'd be a bit of lobster roll. It just that's a, that's goat tier food. Every time I go down to London, I go to Burger and Lobster and get a, a lobster roll from there. It's so good. Um, so I'll take that as a starter, just something light. And if we're going for a main, it's quite a bit the same as what Jamie's saying in Italian. Um, I actually had it yesterday, a, a wee poio milanese. So just basically like a chicken breast, a wee chicken cutlet, and a, some pasta on the side. Usually Arabia, but you can have whatever you want, to be honest. Don't mind a bit of pesto pasta or something like that. um and dessert Uh, i'm a big fan of cheesecake um so it's probably going to just be a new york cheesecake or something maybe enough i get a wee bit cream and a a shot of espresso on it so i go with that i mean you're going to die after you eat it
0: so like (laughs) the weight of the food that's quite irrelevant (laughs) uh david do you want me to go and leave you to last you got a good answer for this
3: I'll make this easy, I'm going to help you I'm a good pal Matt I'm, uh, uh, to our friends at Pie Sports, I'll say starter macaroni pie <laughs> main steak pie and then dessert um, like Mr Singh's curry pie all hill pie sports um, any um, a- any pies ringing our way you know, um, give us a
0: shout We are absolutely open to sponsorship offers uh, my three course meal would be at the Acra the little fish balls you get in The Rum Shack, that would be my starter. I would have a a lamb biryani from the Shish Mahal with a garlic naan for my main course. And I would have a four pack of mint carnettos as my dessert. And I would die a happy man. Thank you for listening to this week's Draw, Lose, or Draw. We will be back next week to look back on probably another disappointing day up at Cove. Let's not pretend. And preview our what looked a couple of weeks ago like a big game, but <laughs> might not be next week's game at home to Queen's Park. In the meantime, stay safe.